and welcome to Thrift Shop Biography. This is the one about Barack Obama. Thank you for listening. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. I'm excellent. And um, have you you've been reading the same book as I have this I have week again? Yeah. <laughs> Barack Obama dreams from my father. I need to ask you. Yes. What did you think of Barack Obama before you read this I, book? I, I already loved him. I've been his yeah. supporter since I first heard of him. But it's great to get a total insight into who he is. He's so honest. Yeah, I just kind of felt something very real. And authentic about him. Yeah. And I kind of, I don't say this very often when it comes to politicians, but I kind of just trusted him. Yeah. I kind of knew, I felt that he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, and he had really good intentions, really properly. But yeah. but then this book reveals he really, really wanted to change things to make them better. Yes. And we should point out that this book was written and published way before he even had designs about being the president. Yeah. So I think it was written in like 1996. Well, it's published in 1996. To no great acclaim, because not many people really knew who he was. I think it was only published in hardback back then. It was a real small print run. And then eight or nine years later, he did the Democratic Convention speech. Yeah. Yeah. And then that really took off around the world. They republished it as a paperback and it became a New York Times bestseller. And I think probably because he's so honest, it probably helped him become president, actually. We, of course, read Michelle Obama's book. We did. So we learned loads about him from that, Mm -hmm. but it didn't go into his whole childhood. But this book, the epilogue, he mentions that he married this woman called Michelle. That's how long ago this book was published. Yeah. It kind of... Well, he finished it off their honeymoon, didn't he? he just didn't... Yeah, but he just stopped it before he met her, basically. he told That's right. Sorry, so if you listen to the Michelle podcast, you know this. But basically, when he was with Michelle, the publisher got in touch with him and said, are you going to write this book or not? Because if not, we're going to take the, the advance money back, money yeah. back which is $40,000. And he was like, crikes, I need to write it. And so not long after he was married to Michelle, he dumped her for two months and went off and wrote it yeah. in silence on an Indonesian island. Yeah. <laughs> But it's great. So it takes you from his childhood before he met Michelle, before he went to law school. He was about to go to Harvard. That's where the book mm-hmm. ends. And he's gone to Kenya and got to the bottom of who he is. So this yeah. is a book about the journey of a boy with a Kenyan father, white American mother, and the journey to understand who he is. Yeah. Little Barack Obama was born in 1961. That is correct. Okay, his mother was from Kansas and she went to Hawaii to go to university. And she was only 18 mm-hmm. when she met this amazing man. Called Barack Obama. Called Barack Obama. <laughs> Senior. Senior, yeah. <laughs> and his journey to get there was pretty cool. He was selected by the government to go and study in America. He'd already had a scholarship to study in Nairobi. And from that point, he got selected to be sent to any university in America. And he picked Hawaii. He never heard of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty random. But he was the first, he was amongst the first Africans to be sent from Kenya to be sponsored, to go to America, to be educated and to bring back the knowledge. So he's there for three years in Hawaii. And then he went on to Harvard as well, didn't he? Yes. So he went back to Kenya with a head full of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> So it's in while he's in Hawaii, he meets Obama's mum, Stanley Ann. Yeah. Why would you call your daughter Stanley? I mean, her dad was called Stanley. Obama's That's... granddad is called Stanley. Yeah. But they called the daughter Stan. Stanley Ann. <laughs> they called. She's known as Ann. Yes. Though. Her choice, I'm sure. Yeah. Suffering a childhood called Stanley. Yeah. 
who's obviously an amazing woman. Yeah. She's very, very intelligent. Very intelligent. Yeah, Was and she... adventurous mm-hmm. and cool and very liberal. Her parents, for the time, would be considered liberal. Very yeah. liberal, Jazz actually. And, because know. they embraced Obama Sr., mm into their home. And this is a time where I think you can marry interracially. But just because the law changed, it doesn't mean it's necessarily socially acceptable. Well, I actually wrote this down, okay? In Mm. 1960, which is the year they got married, it was a felony to interracially marry in many states. And in some of the southern states, it was a hanging offence. Yeah. So they got married in that time. Crikey. There's obviously some liberal states like Hawaii and probably California and New York and Mm. places like that. So it was a big deal. And Hawaii was, as far as American states go in the 1960s, it was quite racially mixed anyway, wasn't Mm. it? Because, I mean, it was an island by itself until America. Was it it the last state or was Alaska the last state? Both joined really Uh, late. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 59 Alaska. I don't know about that. So America grabbed it. And then the white people went over. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, a, a as far as American states go, it was... You're right. A lot of different um, skin tones. Yeah, yeah. And so he got confused as a Hawaiian just by being brown. Little Barack. Yeah. Yeah, he did. His grandparents, white grandparents, absolutely adored him. And so it's lovely. He had a really solid foundation of grandparents and mother. But his father was gone by the time he was one or two. He was it only wasn't knocking around after. for a short time. He then went to Harvard and said they didn't have the money to take the, the wife and kid yeah. with him. But actually, because he was married before he came, he, was, he already yes. he left a wife in Kenya. Yeah. Came over. I think they had to get divorced so that he could marry Anne. They didn't divorce. They didn't divorce. No, I think he was in Kenya and he had two kids with her, right? Yeah. Alma and Roy. Ah, of course, yeah. And then he came over to study and then got with Obama's mum, Stanley Ann, had Obama. And then, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but basically, when Obama Sr. comes back, when little Obama is 10, and that's when he meets him, Alma and Roy, Obama Sr. tells them in Kenya that he's coming over to get... That's right. Um, and he's already remarried then, had more children. Yes. And he's remarried twice, actually. Well, this is the cultural thing, mm. like in Kenya, is that men did have more than one yeah. wives and they had lots of children. Yeah, it's interesting because this whole concept of the absent father crops up a lot. Obama ends up working in communities where he's really trying to get men to be fathers to their yes. children. That's part of the journey, I suppose, of finding your roots. Because when he is in Kenya and meets one of his brothers, the one brother hasn't married yet and is actually really questioning whether having four wives and all these kids is good because it's not fair to the women. They all get jealous. They don't get enough support. And it means that the fathers are never there for the kids yeah. because there's multiple wives and kids. They can't be. And so you're perpetuating uh, families that don't have father figures. It's a running theme. And it's maybe, does it start there in those cultures? It's, where's the, is that the roots of that coming into it's, African-American it, society? Is I don't know if it's it? truer. I mean, who's to say that our white Christian society, where you're supposed to marry one woman and have a monogamous relationship and a couple of kids and stay with her for the rest of your life, I mean, that clearly doesn't work. And we all know there's tons of white families in Britain or anywhere that also the father's missing. They're at work yeah. and they're at the pub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, that's a massive sweeping stereotype, but 
there are a lot of absent fathers yeah. in all families, so you can't culturally stereotype. No, completely. and I don't think it's up to me either to look at Kenya and say, oh, I don't think that's great. You've got three wives and six children spread out. Because at the same time, I don't think it's necessarily great that a guy over here has a wife and has a kid and then stays with her and they're both unhappy for the rest yeah. of their lives. Or you're Alan Sugar, you're at work and then you're taking flying lessons at the weekend. <laughs> it's still not there for your kids. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the reason is, does it? A lot he of was men still providing for, for them. I think if you become a billionaire business provide, man, yeah. then it's maybe yeah. slightly different. Yeah. Obama takes it upon himself in his life to try to bring the father into the family more because he knows it's going to help, especially boys. But it doesn't mean it's just a black problem. No. It's just that he takes it upon himself in the communities he's working in to try and make a difference. No, he sees it as a definite problem within the black community, but that is not to say that that problem is specific to the black community at all. It's just that's who he's working with. Yeah. So anyway, grows up without a father, <laughs> but a great great grandparents and great yeah, mother. Yeah, and he does say in this book, in the foreword, that he's called it dreams for my father. But I actually kind of wish that I'd made more about my mother. That's his main regret because it's all about his father because the father's absent and he yeah. doesn't understand. So he's written this book and he never really put enough time aside to I, actually I, mention that his yeah. mother's given him an amazing upbringing. Yeah. Weirdly, in a book about an absent dad, I felt that his mum was notable by her absence in the book. Yeah. Because I wished he talked about her more. Yeah. I realise that's not what the book he is He just about. took her for granted because he was trying to find out yeah, who She sounds was. like an amazing woman. She's she like really an does. anthropologist. And, and an adventurer. Yeah, because and... she's very young. At the age of like 18, she's yeah. travelling. And then she has little Obama. And a couple of years later, she's met somebody else yeah. and she's off to Indonesia. Yeah, and what I really love is that he says all the years that he was asking about his dad or they talked about him, she would never say anything negative yeah. about him. She always just talked up his good side, which is really cool. Then she moved, when he was only six, she moved to Indonesia because she'd met... She'd met another guy, Lolo. Lolo. Yeah. And they moved to an Indonesian village... She has another child called Maya. 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 And how many years is he there? Four years? Yeah, yeah. till he was ten. Yeah. He he's living from six till ten in a village in Indonesia, having a completely different yeah. life. Mm-hmm. With crocodiles and droughts and floods and eating grasshoppers and <laughs> killing chickens and flying kites. And it does sound quite idyllic, but it's completely different from an American kid's life, oh, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So Lolo becomes his father yeah. figure. Yeah, and it's a really good father figure too. But, unfortunately, the relationship between Lolo and Obama's mum, Anne, is different once they're in Indonesia, because yeah. he was studying in Hawaii, which is where they met and courted, and then he went back to Indonesia, and then by the time, because it took like a year for them to sort out passports and visas mm. and stuff, so Anne and little Obama could go and live there and by the time they got there they said that Lolo was different but it turns out it was because of the governmental changes and stuff and actually Lolo hadn't gone back to Indonesia of his free will he was recalled they recalled all international Mm. students and they executed some of them a lot they were saying that if if they were communist sympathizers so if probably anyone who'd had an education. Yeah. So he's probably terrified. Yeah. So it changed him. But they stayed there. And Obama's mum was studying, but she went out and got jobs to support them. She had another child, Maya, 
And then when Obama was 10, mm. she wanted him... Is it when they were in Indonesia that she was waking him up at four o'clock in the morning and, yeah. and teaching him English? Yeah, three hours of extra education because before she, he went to school. Because she wanted him to be American. Yeah. Yeah, she wanted him to grow up as an American. Yeah, she also yeah. just wanted him to have a really good education. Yeah. That's slightly... That was a bit in the book where I kind of thought, okay, she sounds like a great mother. Yeah. And he's having an amazing experience as this kid. But waking him up at four o'clock in the morning yeah. for extra school, it's like, hang on a minute. Three Three hours, three hours is a lot of yeah. learning before you go to school yeah. every day. But hey, it paid off. Yeah. <laughs> it did. He didn't do too badly yeah, yeah. out of it. But there's no way. I mean, talk about finding your roots. He obviously had an amazing brain, and his dad obviously had an amazing yeah. brain, and his mum did. That is hereditary. Yeah. He says he complained, but he then became a total bookworm man, didn't yeah, he? So. Yeah. Oh, and it's while they're in Indonesia. Mm. So he's he's been this little mixed race kid in yeah. Hawaii, which is more ethnically diverse in most American states. And then he goes to Indonesia and he's just been living his little life as a young yeah. boy. And then when he's in Indonesia and his mum is studying in the library, he's leafing through some magazines and he sees an article about a black man who has paid to be made surgically whiter. Yeah. And that's the first time in his life that he can recall reading something bad about somebody who had black skin because it hadn't mm. occurred mm. to him there could be a negative connotation to being somebody who wasn't white. Yeah. And he was horrified yeah. by reading that somebody didn't want to be black and had paid for this irreversible procedure. He says he never even thought about his skin colour before that point. Right. And the advert in the magazine says, live happily as a white person. Wow. That must. Well, he says it absolutely blew his mind. Yeah. He couldn't understand it. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising, unfortunately, but like you kind of forget things like that existed. But there's a few things in this book that are sort of really defining moments that flip his brain. Yeah. That make him conscious, basically, of yeah. what's... It's just growing out of childhood and conscious of himself and his surroundings. Yeah. Then, at the age of 10, his mum packs him off back to mm. Hawaii to live with his grandparents because she wants him to have his older education in America. Yeah, yeah. And he goes back and, you know, he loves his grandparents. He's got lovely memories of them. By the time he's gone back at the age of 10... They've downsized to a smaller place. And he says it's a bit different to how he left yeah. it. And I think the grandparents are a bit older and a bit more jaded. And he gets sent to a prestigious prep school where it was very white and suddenly he right. feels very black. Yes. It's always a coming of age thing, isn't mm -hmm. it? A certain time. And he's 10. And there's one other black pupil in this little girl, isn't it? She comes over to play with him or something and he kind of turns his nose up at her. Yeah. And he said it was just an instinctive thing because he just didn't want to be friends with the only other black yeah. person in the school. He wanted to be part of the whole school. Yeah. But he said he really regretted. It worried him for the rest of his entire yeah. life. Yeah. Like but, rejecting her. Yeah. But then people wanting to touch his hair and asking if his dad eats people. Oh, and he's literally dealing with that amount of ignorance yeah. in this school, which is nuts. Until his father comes to visit. Which really worries him because he's lied about his dad and he said oh, that he's yes. like a Kenyan prince. Yes. And so he's made up all these lies. Mm. And then when his dad visits... Yeah. So, yeah, of course, he's really worried that it's going to let him down. But his dad is an amazing speaker like Obama became mm -hmm. and wins everyone over. And yeah. Everyone's in awe of this man. He must, I bet he was amazing. He obviously was amazing. Oh, yeah, and he's totally charming yeah. and, and fun. And, yeah, he's telling them stories. Yeah, and Dad's completely won the classmates over. Yeah, yeah. 
When his dad comes over from Kenya, he's very worried about it. And he's only there two weeks, but mm. two precious long weeks is all he ever has with his dad. Yeah. And he's just trying to observe him, trying to look at him, looking at his face, then thinking about his, hearing him talk, seeing his presence, seeing he's got a real power over everybody. His grandparents and mother are all in awe of him. Until Obama's watching cartoons on the TV and his dad says, OK, that's enough cartoons. You've got to go to your bedroom and study now. And the grandparents saying, no, it's OK. He can watch the cartoons. And the dad's like, no, turn the cartoons off. Which I kind of thought, wow, you know, you're visiting for two weeks. Yeah. You can't pull rank like that. But he did. Yeah. Then it kind of soured the visit a little yeah. bit, I think. I love this story about him. They're all drinking in a bar. Some blokes at the bar being really racist. And he then steps forward, goes up to this man and explains to him why yeah. that's wrong, why there should be a place for everybody, gives him the full background and politics of the whole situation to the point where this man is so won over, he pays for everyone's drinks at the bar, gives him $100, pays his rent, <laughs> and is his biggest fan. And that just shows that Obama Sr. was very eloquent, very yeah. persuasive, yeah. knowledgeable, and a great speaker. So unbelievable that, in fact, young Obama kind of thinks, oh, that story's clearly been exaggerated. Yeah. But then he met, years later, he met somebody else who'd studied with his dad. Yeah. And he said, no, I was there. That actually yeah. happened. Yeah. But I also think this is something I believe. I believe that a lot of racism. And any form of bigotry is actually stirred up by politicians and media mm. on the basis that most people actually don't know people who don't look like them. Yeah. By and large, oh, okay, people in cities do, but maybe people in the smaller towns. And I think that's a really good example. A white man can go into a bar where there's a black man and the yeah. white man can say, I don't want to drink in here if he's drinking in here. The black man approaches him, has a chat, said, look, this and that. Yeah. And then the white guy... It's guys... probably the first conversation he's ever had about it, yeah. actually. And I have a full belief that if just white people, or any kind of people... Just mixed. Mixed more. And communicated yeah, with each other. and didn't listen to the bloody newspapers yeah, yeah, and yeah. politicians, it would be a different world, world. altogether. Yeah, yeah. But alas, we don't. And we're all stupid. And we're all ignorant. And yet, that man had a child, and even though he only met him for two weeks properly, something happened that led that man to become President of America, which then does change things. Yes. Because many, many white people also heard speeches from that man. He reached so many people that will have changed things. It is incredible that yeah. Obama Sr. had these ideals and and the thoughts that he did get out to a certain extent. But what's interesting about that is he had very little physical contact with Obama Jr., mm. actually, the first couple of years mm. of his life, and then a couple of weeks when he was 10 years old. Mm. But that carried through yes, to his son, yes. and his son went on and yeah. delivered. So, so he can win over one man at a bar. And Obama could win over the world. probably half of the nation yeah, okay. and the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, millions of people. Yeah. Because yeah. he got the platform to do yeah. it. I mean, and part of him finding out who his dad is and being able to carry on his legacy is his trip to Kenya. He does need to know who his dad is so that he can yeah. know who he is. Yeah. Because that trip to Kenya really focused him on what he needed to do. <laughs> So Not where is he? He's at, he's at secondary school. If you're English, he's currently at secondary school. Yes, high Hawaii. school. He goes to high school. And he starts to feel 
because he's still a minority, he starts to go, am I black, am I white? And he starts going into basketball because that's what's expected almost. Yeah, uh-huh. Smoking weed, drinking. You know, he's going down that route, hanging out with people. He reads Malcolm X. He's starting to get a real racial conscience and he's getting his history, which isn't taught in schools. He's having to learn it himself. Yeah, but he's also coming from a different place to his other black friends because obviously he has a white mother Mm. and he's brought up by white grandparents Mm. and he struggled with the bits in Malcolm X's autobiography which kind of demonized white people Mm. and some of Obama's friends would say things like white people are mean and Obama would be like well you know he just was straddling yeah. the middle ground he, he had like a wider vision but yeah. he, he got the white history but well it's there it's around him yeah. but he hadn't got the black history so yeah. he had to learn it himself and he would read books like hearts of darkness which mm. were fundamentally racist and his black friends were like why the hell are you reading that and he's like because i want to know mm how white people view mm. black people. And mm. it's educating for me yeah, yeah, to see their reasons for hating us. Yeah. And so then he could do something about yeah. it. So he really was, from that young age, approaching everything from every angle. Yeah. And he says, the only way to cure an illness is to diagnose it, which is spot on, isn't yeah. it? We all need to do that, yeah. not just future presidents. Yes. We've all got, got to get to the bottom of everything yeah, yeah. so we can sort it out. Which is what this book helps do. <laughs> oh, I've Pushes learned so along much lot, from it? this. Yeah. Do you know what? This book has made me feel very inadequate and it's made me disappointed in myself. It's just made me feel that I gave up on the things I was interested in changing and the social injustices that mm. I had experienced. Mm. I was kind of on the way a few years ago and then it just kind of fizzled out. Yeah. And then I read this, I think I should have just kept going. Right. Could yeah. be Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be worse than the ones that we've got, let's face it. Yeah. yeah, I just kind of thought, damn, man, he kept going. Yeah. I think most people are driven by money and status and material goods. Mm. And uh, Obama is just driven by this sense of justice. Yeah, justice and knowledge. He has to get to the bottom of it all. What's it all about? He's not just taking it. He's on the basketball team and he finds that the black people aren't getting used as much. In basketball. In the basketball. They're they're sat out, not being on. And he's feeling powerless and he knows why he's not being used. He needs to get the power back. And he says, it's not actually all about you. He needs to get over the fear and to rise above the race issue and reclaim yourself. Who actually are you? Mm-hmm. And then you can get power. If you don't know who you are, how can you mm-hmm. fight this? That's why he has to get the knowledge. And discover his true identity, yeah, yeah. his racial identity. Understand. When the more you think about it, you kind of think, yeah, he was essentially brought up as a white boy. Yeah. Okay, his mum took him to Indonesia for a bit, but his mum was white. Yeah. Mm. He's an outsider in his life because he's a different colour to his mum and his grandparents. Not that but, he knew that for no, a, he did a large know. portion of his... Yeah, but I'm sure that. other people would have viewed yeah, him as that. Yeah. And then when he is now hanging out with black people, oh, there's a yeah, quote in the book. He doesn't quite fit fully in with them fit either because yeah. he has a white mum. Yeah. So he's kind of caught in yes. a way between the white world 
He is. And the black world. But it doesn't have to be at his detriment. It can be a positive if he can understand. Yeah, he needs to now investigate the other side of him. And you know, his granddad does have black friends that they drink whiskey and play cards with. And there's that old guy, Frank. And I think when Obama's an older teenager, one night he walks past Frank's house and he goes in and chats to him. Frank says about Obama's granddad, he says he's okay. You know, he's a nice man. Yeah, we're friends. But the difference is your granddad comes around my house and we'll drink whiskey and he'll fall asleep in the armchair because he can. Yeah. Because he's safe and secure. He says, as a black man, even though Frank is my friend, I can't go to his house and have a whiskey and fall asleep in the armchair. Yeah. I thought that was a real enlightening yeah, to me actually yeah. that that even though they're friends there yeah. is still an imbalance actually. yeah the history is raw yeah. in 1960 oh, of course yeah you know, it's yeah. Raw. yeah he went to university in los angeles yeah. occidental college yeah. and it's here that he's actually finding more african-american people yeah. and properly hanging out with them yeah and actually other mixed race people mm. too and he's becoming more politically active mm. And is member of debate groups. And he does this speech about South Africa, political things that are going on over there and the divestment. And it's one of the first times he actually gets up to do a public speech. And it's kind of, it's very student It made me laugh because they put in a bit of like amateur dramatics with it, where he's a black guy doing a speech and then two people come and drag him off stage (laughs) as he's speaking. Then he said, by the time he started talking, he really wished he hadn't set up dragging him off because he wanted to keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> he felt a bit awkward about his performance, if you like, his speech. And then he was talking to one of the other students and she said, well, it's not about you. Mm. Don't fixate on how you feel. This mm. is not about your mm. ego. This is mm. about the people you're talking about yeah. and the change that you can make. Yes. And that flipped his mind. Yes. Yeah. But he was only at this college for like a year. Then he transferred. Yeah. So. Goes to New York. Goes to New York. Transferred to Columbia University. Yeah, yeah. And you'd think he's going to be partying, going out, New York, amazing. (laughs) Didn't leave the flat. He actually says, I was a bore. Yeah. He went really straight. He gave up smoking weed and alcohol and just read a lot of books and really, really cracked down and started learning. He's a proper bookworm, isn't he? Yeah. He was going into law firms as part of his education and Mm -hmm. noticing that there weren't black people as Mm -hmm. lawyers. He was really noticing that. But he was still going in anyway, thinking he can make a difference. Well, I don't know what he was thinking, actually. What was he thinking? Where are all the black people? Yeah, where are all the black people? There's no problem. Um, And then he got a phone call from an aunt saying that his father's died. And at that point, he was just thinking, I need to go to Kenya. I think he was planning a trip. He had a letter from his dad. That kind of more or less said, he when did, you're coming over. Because actually, they'd corresponded for some years and it had fizzled out completely. Yeah. And now we know why, because mm-hmm. his dad had fallen off the rails. Mm-hmm. But he didn't know that. Yeah, his dad had written to him, so he was planning a trip. Yeah. And then he got a phone call, his dad had died in, in a, car a car crash. crash. Yeah. So that means when he came over to see Obama when he was like 10 years old, that's like the only time he yeah. really two spent weeks. time with weeks. his dad yeah. in his whole life. Yeah. It's devastating that he didn't get to visit him on that trip. Just so close to going and meeting him. But then he has to learn about him through 
an extensive family that he eventually (laughs) finds when he goes. Yeah. At the time of graduation from Columbia University, Mm. he gets a couple of jobs like community organising and even in the corporate world political Mm. campaigns, but none of them are really lighting his Mm. fire. And then Marty Kaufman comes into it and he's a political organiser who works with the black churches in Chicago And he offers Obama a job as a director of the Developing Communities Project. So he moves to Chicago. And now Chicago is where Harold Washington is mayor, which is the city's first black mayor. And we know all about him. We know about him from Michelle. (laughs) Because we read of Michelle. Now, I just thought when I was reading this book, so Michelle Obama used to work for Mayor Washington. Now... Mayor Washington and Barack Obama, their yeah. paths cross a couple of times. Yeah, and I they kind do. of thought to myself, is Michelle actually in that yeah, room at no. that time? They, they just haven't met each yeah, other yeah. yet. And yet that's not where they met. So they didn't funny. meet there, but she yeah. was working for Mayor yeah, Washington. Yeah. So at some point, I like to think, I'm just going to invent this yeah, in my head. That they were in the same they place were in at the same, same time, room. A they few just, times. They just yeah. hadn't yeah. properly met each yeah. other. Wow. But it's probably what helped them get on when they did meet, because yeah. they could talk about the same things and yeah. they cared about the same things. Yeah. He was a good one, that mayor. He was the first black mayor in Chicago. He was a big deal. He was really trying to make change. Well, it's that difficult thing that was talked about in Michelle's book. They stopped putting money into certain communities and what they call the white flight happened. All the white people then moved out to a newer community and then the black people were left behind, which meant that those areas got funded even less and the schools weren't funded. More black people moved in and Mayor Washington was trying to change lives of all the black communities which weren't being supported in the way that the white communities are in Chicago. And was a big inspiration to Obama. So he got stuck in trying to help communities. And it was even, you think, what does it mean to community organise? He's actually just trying to get asbestos removed from one school. Just things like that. It's it's one thing at a time. It's one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice how he was pushing forward, like this meek woman who didn't, Seem to have Sylvia. any confidence. Sylvia. Yeah, yeah, just pushing her forward saying, you're going to be the spokesperson. Yeah. And then watching her take that on. Yeah, like galvanising yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. It's really good. And it is one person at a time until he goes up the ranks Yeah, later on, not in yeah. this book. And that's actually the same ethos that Michelle carries, actually. Absolutely. It's about lifting people yeah. up. Yeah. It's like he could just go in and do it himself. But then ultimately, what's going to happen when yeah. he's moved on? Exactly. Yeah, you've got to make people realise they can stand up for themselves. Yeah. And they do but then again it's like bureaucracy so he got this timid woman to speak up which she did and they did come to an agreement but the finances at the time in the city of chicago they basically came back to her and said okay we can remove the asbestos or you can get your plumbing done which also needed to be done and she got very disillusioned after that because you just have to keep fighting for everything yeah What made me laugh was when Mayor Washington was coming to visit the Development Communities Project. There were three older black ladies who worked there who kind of were really pleased that Obama came to work there. And he said they kind of acted like his aunties. He was organising this big rally in a couple of weeks. And when he heard that Mayor Washington was coming to visit the project, he was like, "Okay, whatever happens, just get Mayor Washington to agree to come to the rally because it would be really good publicity for us. And they were like, yeah. The whole point... Of them meeting him was to get him to do something yeah. for them. And Mayor Washington walks in and the three they older black it. ladies, <laughs> they just... It's like selfies. Yeah. It's that. They That's were really they starstruck by him. I thought it was really sweet. Yeah, did you get your phone to take the did you? And he's like, did you get him to 
Oh my god! <laughs> they didn't get him. Yeah. They didn't get him to come to the rally. He was really angry. <laughs> and then one woman eventually says to him, "Barack, like this has been a really great night. These people have worked so hard for nothing. Give just give them this." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh yeah, he's he he just doesn't know how to lighten up ever. He's just on a mission all the time." <laughs> Then a bit later, unfortunately, Mayor Washington dies and everybody's so... Because he's obviously well-loved in the community yeah. and stuff. People realise after he died that it was him rather than the systems he put yeah, in place. There yeah. was no succession plan or anything yeah. for him to hand down, which I think made Obama realise, OK, it's OK to have a black person in charge, but whilst you're in charge, you have to set down yeah, a solid system. system. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't. So basically, after Mayor Washington died, it just went back to all the white yeah. people again. And that's what really pushed him forward to move out of just doing community stuff and actually move into being a lawyer so he can change the mm-hmm. law. So he can make permanent changes yeah. that will last beyond one yes. person's reign. Yeah. Do you know, he's so clued up and clever. Things that he was realising, like a lot of the... Because employment wasn't great in Chicago at the time. Obama realised that he went to the training centre, which was at the mayor's office, and they were looking through brochures. And then he realised that all of the training centres were kind of on the white side of town. Mm. There were none in the more disadvantaged areas. So he put through a suggestion that there has to be a training site where these people can get to it without yeah. an hour bus ride. Yeah. And that happened. Yeah. That's the kind of change that he's making happen at this moment in his life, like piece by piece, one yeah. thing at a time. Yeah. And then he just carries that through and gets bigger and more people underneath him to keep that going yeah. until he's yeah. a president yeah. eventually. Yeah. But he really, if anybody deserved to be president, I know. it was him. He's done the groundwork. Yeah. And what I love is when that bloke got him into the organising thing, the main thing he does is listen to people. Mm-hmm. He gets people in a room and says, what are your problems? Tell me your problems. And he's learning. Because he hasn't learned that in Hawaii or at university. He's actually gone to the ground up and listened to what's happening to people. He goes into communities, he goes to estates, he talks to kids, he talks to everybody and he just absorbs everything, everyone's lives and finds out what needs to happen. Do you know that woman that he spoke to and he's finding out so much about people and how people are living the black woman who's got that secretarial job but her eyesight is failing and she doesn't have the money for new glasses so what she does because she doesn't want her boss to know she can't read his letters and stuff she'll take them to the bathroom and hold them right up to her face so she can read them and memorize them and then go back into the office and make out she can read. And then she'll stay behind for hours mm. afterwards mm. doing work because she can't see during the yeah. She's having to pretend she can see so she doesn't lose her job. In the whole year, it takes her to save up the necessary dollars to just get some new glasses. Yeah, yeah. It's like nobody should be living like that. Yeah, yeah. So he's meeting people like this the whole mm. time mm. and disenfranchised young black men. And also, you know, he's befriended, is it Ruby, the woman he takes to the theatre? She's working alongside him and she comes in one day with blue contact lenses. Yeah, that in. is a big deal to him. That, yeah. And he and he says something. Why are you doing that? Why aren't your eyes beautiful enough? And then he really regrets saying that because if she wants that, she can have it. But he doesn't see why you'd want to. Yeah. And it's all part of that, like the skin peel thing. So yes. It's all part of his journey, really, of working mm-hmm. out what's what. 
So he's getting the training centers up and running and stuff, but he also goes into schools and stuff and he talks to the principal, doesn't he? Yeah. And it's schools where there's gun crime and the kids have gone yeah. wild. I mean, it's, it's bad. And he's saying the only solution is school reform. Mm-hmm. And part of that is that they need to teach African history in schools because people aren't connected to what they're learning. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Part of that is why people need to learn black history. Everyone needs to know it. Yeah. Also, because he obviously is in education and community, and he's meeting other people with similar ideas. Yeah. But some people, they're more into black nationalism. Yeah. And basically he's saying all black nationalism is, is reflecting what the white people are currently doing, but with black people in charge. Yeah. It's the same power structure, mm. which ultimately won't serve us. Mm. So he's trying to find something which works for everyone. Because he says black people are a minority in America. You yeah. can't all of a sudden overrule the 80% of the white people in the country. So black nationalism isn't going to work in the way you think it's going to. Mm. Again, it's just dismantling everything which is being put in place and finding new systems. That's such a massive task. Even get anybody to get their head around, but he's doing it and and does it. He reads everything, absorbs everything. He's got the brain capacity for it, if anyone has. Why do you think Obama kind of realised? Why do you think this is his thrust forward about not going for black nationalism, but realising that the white system has to change? Do you think it's because he's mixed race? I think it's partly that. I think it's nature nurture because he's inherited massive brains, but he's also inherited two cultures. Yeah, no, I think this is more to do with it. So he's got like a really broad sense of the world. He's not isolated in his thinking. He's got a really broad sense Mm -hmm. of being a a person in the world and trying to unite it all. And he's also got really intelligent parents. So his brain's really functioning. And questioning parents, like critical parents who are always there. They don't accept the world around them. They're, They're finding out more about it. So you think that his viewpoint on the world and this amazing capacity he has to see beyond the bigger picture of actually what needs to change to make things different in 50 years' time, you think that comes from having two hyper-intelligent, socially aware parents? His dad graduated top of the class from Harvard. That's amazing. Those people are amazing human beings, and he's the product of that. And you see, he went back. his dad went back to Kenya to try Mm. and change things yeah he went into government didn't he he yeah but the political climate was very different there at the time and he was kind of like one man battling something which was never going to change at that point and it became really corrupt oh he got ostracized to the point where they almost ruined him really which is why i think he ended up an alcoholic it's amazing he didn't get murdered actually from the sound of it and then after what six or seven years of being ostracized he was welcomed back into the government after it changed yes it was kind of too late because he was broken So maybe that was because he decided to take on the Kenyan government head on. Yeah. Whereas Obama Jr. is changing the system and starting it from the ground up. Yeah. Which kind of is obviously the the only way you could make real change. Well, yeah. I was going to say America isn't as corrupt, but it's just (laughs) as corrupt. It's just a bloody miracle that he became president, actually. I still can't believe it. I know. (laughs) I mean, as much as I can't, I'm, I, I can't believe it. Not because I think he's the most perfect candidate yeah, I've ever seen for American but president. Just but just knowing America, yeah, exactly, that he wasn't blocked or yeah. shot or something, stopped in some way. And then we had Trump. 
No, don't go there. <laughs> oh, we'll get Trump again in a couple of no, years. No, no. Yes, we will. Is he not going to get indicted? Or no, whatever? it will galvanise his fan base and he'll be president again in two oh, years. You mark my words. Time. Oh. Obama, can you run again, please? Oh, <laughs> no. Can't. So Obama's making a great change in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but obviously, he's still young. He's still in, like, in his early 20s, isn't yeah. he? He is obviously going to go on to bigger and better things, as we know. So he's not going to stay in Chicago no. forever because the world needs him. Yeah. But he gets accepted into Harvard yeah. as a law student. And I think the people in Chicago really don't want him yeah, to go. Yeah, they're going to miss him. Yeah. But there's no way he can start the beginning of the rest of his life before he really knows who he is. And it's time to go to Kenya. Through his half-sister Alma, who's already visited him yeah. in America, right? It's his first relative he's met from Africa yeah. apart from his dad briefly and she tells him a lot about yeah, yeah. the family and about what it was like having Obama senior as a dad from man, her point of him. view yeah. yeah and then she says before she leaves she says well you've got to come to Kenya to yeah. see him even though he's dead she means just come and, yeah, and everybody yeah. and the huge extended family yeah yeah which she doesn't know yet off he goes off he goes and they lose his bag yeah he gets to the airport and they've lost his bag so he's trying to get to the bottom of that when a British Airways, is it, woman? Yeah. Says to him, a Kenyan British Airways woman. Says, says what's your name? Obama, are you related to Barack Obama? Says, yes, that's my father. And she says, oh, I'm very sorry, because obviously he's died. My family are friends with your family. So the first person he meets mm-hmm. at the airport knows him and he gets this... Oh, it must have been a real shock, because he says, you know, he's spent his whole life with people not understanding his surname, judging him for it not being able to spell it. And suddenly someone knows his family. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm never going to have that problem here. People recognise me. You know, it's a huge it deal It's quite amazing him. that Talk he's... Talk about coming home. Yeah, and the first person he meets, like before he's yeah. even less, left the airport. Yeah. There's a connection there. It's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And when he goes back later with his sister to try and find his bag... They're all dismissive. Well, yeah, he's getting nowhere until (laughs) Alma says, our uncle works here. Mm -hmm. And the uncle comes out, oh, yeah, I'll find your bag. He's like, there's relatives everywhere, just in the airport. Yeah, there's so many of them. (laughs) That sense of who you are couldn't be stronger than that, could it? But before that as well, he said a lot of African-Americans have said to him, have you been back yet? Have you been home? It'll blow your mind. It'll make you know who you are. He knows he's got to do it. And he's put it off as long as he can. And you really get that sense, don't you? That It's a massive journey. Yeah. And it does need to happen. And it does connect him. It connects all his pieces together. That lost, the lost soul part is Mm -hmm. all put Mm -hmm. together. Then he can go and become Barack Obama. Yes. Unbelievably, they get to Kenya. Well, it's not unbelievable that he he encounters racism, which I guess he wasn't expecting. From in shops and restaurants and yeah. stuff. Yeah, because they value the, the white, white pound yeah. over the yeah. people who actually live there. Obviously, Britain has taken it over. Yeah, well, they colonised Colonised it. It's, it, inde- it's independent word. by now, though, isn't it? It's independent. After, the, after the, the Second World War, which the, isn't that long ago. Yeah. What, it was after the Second World War when Kenyans fought with white people and against white people in the Second World War en masse. And then after that, it's not OK. It's not OK to be ruled. Come mm-hmm. on. But it's still very attuned to favour white people. Yeah. 
Yes, yeah. it seems to you the point where Obama's with his sister in a restaurant mm. and they're ignoring them in favour of the white mm. customers mm. who have come in afterwards. Mm. And Obama's sister is so angry, mm. she gets up and throws her money at them and walks out and, and complains of the racism yeah. in Kenya. Yeah. Yeah, I would never have expected that. But then, then really, I'm a stupid white person. But, you know, I, I have no idea well, what happened. Well, neither did Obama. This right. is what he's learning. He didn't yeah. know anything about Kenya either. Okay, I feel better about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing. This It's like a third of the book, Kenya. And the whole thing, he's just describing everything. He doesn't really summarise how he feels about that. He's just putting it all down so we can experience it how he did. And it's all a massive learning curve to him, isn't it? Just finding, just going to villages and meeting aunts and then finding out that his dad had this wife and then this wife and this wife because he had a wife before he came to America. Then he married Obama's mum. Then he went back and married another woman and had five sons and a daughter. Then he married another white American. Yeah, Yeah. she had two sons. Had two more kids. So there's, there's a... He's been busy. Yeah, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of relatives, therefore, to meet. And then, of course, he was one of eight, 12. He was one of a lot of kids. And even then, his uncles and aunts aren't all from the same mother. So it's it's a lot of people. But all of that family in Kenya are very aware of Barack and they welcome him. He's the prodigal son because he was raised in America. In America. And they're all excited to meet him. But they all want things from him. They want money or they want, can I have your shoes? Have you got a tape (laughs) recorder? He's taken a lot of stuff. He knows to expect that. So it's a mix of wanting to meet him, maybe wanting something from him. Oh, maybe I'll move to America and live with you because I could work for your business. They assume mm-hmm. that he's a businessman. Mm-hmm. They don't realise he's a poor student. And it says they're not impressed at all about his work he did in Chicago in the communities, no. but they're really impressed with him going to Harvard because yeah. that's where his dad went. Yeah, and they know he's on the up. Do you know the opportunity that his dad had to go to Harvard? Because, you know, I take a very dim view of colonialism, but the fact that his dad was able to do that was because he went to a school that the English built. Yeah. And he got his education there. And then he won a scholarship to travel and do his further education in America. Then I look at that again and you think for all the good things that colonialism did but all that does to the little villages in kenya means that their young men are now leaving and not coming back because colonialism has presented them with opportunities further afield Mm. and so basically now the white countries get the best black guys from kenya over there Mm. and the black villages are really struggling because it's just the old people or the women who are left and they don't invest in women's education Mm. so actually the colonialism say well we are educating the kenyans and they are going off and going to it's like yeah but you're taking them out of it's the environment mess. yeah it really you come is and take over the country get what you want to have it's probably petrol oil yeah and then you just leave it yeah and there's no aftercare and often you leave the government you want in place as well so there's still a some yeah. control and then it all gets oh guys a mess it's- well that's what happened with the kenyan prime minister when they came independent the white people had established the white power structure. And actually, when they got rid of the white people, the black people assumed those roles. Mm. And it wasn't until that prime minister was ousted, the new prime minister came in, that things started to change. Yeah. No, just because Kenya became independent, it doesn't mean all of these problems vanished overnight. It would take generations to put that right. Absolutely. And that's what happened in Indonesia as well, because there was the Dutch government, and then they became independent, and then that all got corrupted, and that's why all the murders had happened just before they moved there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mess. 
Yeah. And effect of it is the whole world gets mixed together and the only right, well, not the only, but one really right outcome of that is that someone that's half from Kenya and half from America and all the history that that involves as well becomes president of America. It actually brings all that history together in one person and and unites those places. And realising it's not about a white power structure, it's not about a black power structure, it's about something that can work for everyone. Yeah, it is. It's idealistic and I just don't think it works. Is there anything wrong work. with idealism? It, 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 it worked for eight years. Do you remember? No, no, it didn't because he's having to constantly fight against the Republicans who are in the... Oh. Do you know what I mean? So he can go and he can try and do it. And he has done a lot of progress. But then, of course, someone That's like Trump true, can actually. get in afterwards and unpick and it all again. And the Republicans did absolutely block everything yeah, he tried so to difficult. do. They tried to unpick everything he's yeah. done afterwards. Well, they have. Yeah, it is difficult. But what it represents is something oh, good yes. that's come out of all that yes, colonialism yes, yes. and all I that. I mean, the very fact that he could even be president in the first place is yeah. enough for me for my lifetime, just knowing yeah. that can happen. It's just politics in 2023 are just so... They exist on division. Mm-hmm. And Trump, definitely. Yeah. And, and the conservatives over here, they're yeah. dividing us all. And I think the one thing that Obama really tried to do, and Biden to a certain extent, but Obama definitely is bringing people together. Now, yeah. whether people actually yeah. want to hear that, and I think a lot yeah. of people, because he's a black man, do not want to hear that. Yeah. But he really was the one person... Yeah who said, let's start again, let's build this up for all of us. Yeah. Why couldn't he just stay in power forever? If <laughs> we had, like, the it, perfect world leader... Yeah, it's true. Ah. Literally a world leader as well, because yeah. of where he's come from. When I was reading this about his trip to Kenya and you're mm. meeting, like, a granny, you kind of think, it must just be so surreal for her to think that her grandson... She lives in this small yeah. village in Kenya. Yeah. To think that her grandson is president of the but United States. That's nuts. Her son was in the government in Kenya though if anyone's going to understand it it is them but in America though I it's mean, a bit it's, nuts it's, and it's what a worldwide celebrity he yeah. is at this point oh yeah 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 he's definitely got higher up than his father got but it wouldn't be out of the question for them because mm-hmm. they already know what his dad achieved which was great things so he's standing on the shoulder of a giant already yeah it really is like his dad walked I know it's a cliche but like his dad walked so Obama could run yeah and I kind of think his dad is an illustration of somebody who has all those ideals and wants to change the world but ultimately the time isn't right for him and actually the government and the climate of that country at the time where he wanted to do those things it just wasn't right Yeah. yeah and arguably you could kind of say that when Obama was running. America wasn't ready for a black president. In yeah. fact, I think Michelle said, "Yeah, okay, yeah, she didn't believe it. Yeah, that he yeah. would get it." So timing has a lot to do with it. I don't know. I can't, isn't it just a shame that Obama's mum and dad both died before he became president? Yeah, it really is. It really is because that's such an achievement, and it's I such. Know. An, I know his mum was He'd around. Been a to, senator and. Yeah, his mum was around just, but just like a couple of months before the election. I know. I know. <sighs> I know. Do you know, I just suddenly remembered that his grandma, Toots, his mum's mum, was the first woman in Hawaii to work in a bank. Really? So they were strong, strong women too. And really progressive. just the dad. We've got to yeah. remember that. Progressive yeah. and intelligent. Yeah. I couldn't work in a bank. Can't <laughs> even add up. <laughs> you have a calculator. Yeah, but you still have to know how to use it. (laughs) 
And Obama mentions this himself that he, his mum is not so present in this book, but yeah. I'm under no illusions that he knows that he owes her as much yeah. as he yeah. owes his dad. It's just that he had to journey to find yeah. his father. I mean, we're not really talking about everything that happened to him in Kenya, but it's really amazing. Even every single day is covered. He goes on a safari, just going to a cafe, going to somebody's home, mm-hmm. going to his grandparents' farm. And the beauty of it. Yeah. And he really just spends a lot of time describing this whole trip, like every day of it, drinking relatives, the different expectations, the many, many different families, cousins. I mean, his grandfather had four wives. And, and it did sound a lot like you kind of shopped for a wife so that you could provide kids to work on your farm. <laughs> I do know what I'm getting depressed now. Of the hope we had with Obama. And it's that realisation, okay, when he first got in, it's it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Things are going to change now. But then actually realising that his hands are tied to a certain extent and he can't just make all those changes because it's not just up to him. And then then the backlash is horrific. It's one step forward and two steps back. But at least one step forward has happened. Yes. It's like we have landed on the moon now. Yeah. And now yeah. we can investigate that yeah. and now it's happened. Yeah. So you can't unhappen that. And even though we're going two steps back, then hopefully, eventually, yeah. if you uh, have any sort of hope, maybe something good can happen. If you're cynical, like probably you and I, it's all gone to shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's gone to pot. Yeah, do you know what? I don't have much hope, actually. I, my oh, hope, I never do. My... People are awful. People are... Bad and the bad usually rise to the top. It's very yeah. unusual a good person right yeah, rises know. to the top. What uh, something was in the air fifteen years ago hey. and it's it's gone. Actually, had a massive drive to change things for the better, and it wasn't a personal. <sighs> no, here's the difference. It wasn't a personal gain. If I was, I was <laughs> yeah, no, if I was going to yeah. explain this in basic terms, yeah. I would say Obama wanted to be president because he wanted to change things for other people. Yes. Boris and Trump, etc., wanted to be in charge so they could change things for themselves. Themselves and, and their, their friends. friends. Yeah. Yeah. Big difference. Big difference. And this book is very much about him finding what it means to be him. It's very, very interesting to read. It's absolutely amazing. You learn so much. Oh. You learn as much as he learned. Do you know what? You as he learned. This might not have come across in this podcast. Sorry, Morrissey. I've got a new favourite book that I've read since really? doing this podcast. Yeah, I love yeah. this book. I love this book. I love him. I do. Can't help it. And again, it's, you know, I thought we were going to do this podcast to read pop stars and film stars. And actually, here we are reading an American yeah. president. But well, actually, a book he wrote before he was president. And it actually makes me want to search for books which aren't film stars and pop stars. Yeah. I find that I'm getting more out of yeah. books like this because yeah. I'm learning so much more yeah. Yeah. about the world and ultimately about myself. This guy, Barack Obama, has gone off and done all the work on our behalf. Yeah. And we can read the book and be a better person because of what yeah. he's done. It's very true that's a good politician yeah thanks obama for years of work so we can read it in <laughs> yeah a week like go and write another one yeah in fact there is he did. another one he did yeah. there's a couple actually <laughs> yeah sorry but i saw one in the charity shop last week and it was massive it was a big hardback book it's the next um, volume it's the audacity of hope yes. or no it's sorry it's the one with this it's the latest one. Oh, he's not yeah, something like Promised Land or something. Oh. Anyway, it was there, and I kind of thought we've got so many books. We've, we've just been done Michelle and Obama. We can't. Yeah, do. and I'm desperate to read his next book, but it was just so big, and we've got a pile of fifty books that we bought from thrift yeah, shops here, so we true. need to get through those. Yeah, and then we'll come back to Obama again at a later date. Yeah. So what next? Will you read Liberace next? <laughs> I think 
there's only one way to follow Barack Obama, and that's probably Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun thing about doing this podcast as well. As much as you get kind of this dense political book, which really keeps you thinking. So like sometimes a gay piano player <laughs> is what you need. It is. <laughs> sometimes, always. <laughs> All right, see you next week. Yeah, excellent. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thrift Shop Biography. We love making this podcast and we're absolutely thrilled that so many of you are already listening. You could really help us out by leaving us a review somewhere, wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could share us, tell your friends about us or drop some links on social media. We have a Facebook page called Thrift Shop Biography. So make sure you come over there to hear about the episodes first and what else we're up to. Okay, see you next week. And if you're new here, there are loads more episodes now to go and listen in the back catalogue. So make sure you go and enjoy them. Okay, thank you very much.